Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Microsoft 365 Voice. My name is Sarah Hazi, and we also have Mike. And I am Mike Marani. And I'm Antonio Maya. And um, if you see us all laughing, it's because you should really, we should let you see the outtakes um, that happen before and after we start filming. But that's a separate episode for a different day, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we've all got, got drinks today. We do yeah. have drinks today, Cheers which means the Cheers. outtakes are going to be even more fun. Yes, so. absolutely. All right. So we're happy to be here today. Um, we do have, we, we have a late breaking change. So we're supposed to have a special guest with us today. That's going to be rescheduled due to some unforeseen things. So instead, um, we kind of have a celebratory day, right? With a question that we're going to pull out of our mug. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So our question for today is, since we're nearing the end of 2020, can you share a few of your favorite Microsoft 365 moments from 2020? A few of your Microsoft 365 favorite things. What a well-timed question. It is. So that can be technical, technical question or technical favorites or non-technical favorites as well, I think. I think it can be anything. 2020, Microsoft 365, mix them up, anything related to that. Could be cultural, could be community stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, so yeah. let's get into it. Um, usually when we get a question like this one, we tend to go around Robin approach of just mentioning things. So since I got to kick it off today, I'm gonna pick Mike. Do you wanna go first? Oh. Okay. Um, First thing I'm get, I think about is the conferences. Uh, all of us are uh, regular speakers, and then when when COVID hit, we were all wondering when we're going to get together or how are we going to go and present in conferences that all the conferences have been either cancelled or postponed. But a couple of months later, I was really surprised and happy that most of the conferences switched to be virtual, uh, and I think. Uh, on a personal note, I've done as many virtual conferences as I've done in the past in person. So that was that was a good thing. I, really, I was really pleased that we were able to turn uh, the event into virtual and uh, I was able to present in, in different cities that I was not able to present before in person because of distance. So that was a really, really good thing uh, during during 2020. What were some some of the cities you presented in where you couldn't have gotten to physically because of distance. I've never thought I'd go to Omaha, for example, because of the uh, travel to it, to that city. So Omaha was was one that I've presented. I've never presented before. Houston was another one that also because it's too far sometimes just to travel for a day. Yeah. Uh, I've never presented before and I was able to present for uh, virtually. So th those two good cities. Yeah. So I'm gonna I think a good one is Oh, sorry, Saskatchewan, because they had their first ever yes, M365 yes. Saturday Saskatchewan. And getting to Saskatchewan is not easy. Um, so I have heard. I've never visited Saskatchewan, but um, so it was great to be able to be there for the online event. Yeah, that was a, that's a great point. That was their first uh, SharePoint Saturday. And uh, it was originally supposed to be in person. They really quickly turned it around to be remote. So that was, that was good. I think we all spoke there. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Right, so I'll jump in with one. Um, I was honestly very surprised with how quickly Microsoft, the company, 
went remote so quickly in the global lockdown. Correct. So COVID, I think, surprised everybody, especially with its global impact. But the fact that a company that large with that many people sent everybody home, everybody suddenly had to go and work remote from home, I think globally. I'm not sure about some of the offices, some of the the more you know offices that are further away from the United States or Canada, but I think the vast majority of offices only went remote really early. So that I think was very responsible of them and it set a good example for other technology companies also. And I think they made an announcement that a few months ago, not, it's, not a, it's not a temp thing that work from home. You, have, you can be permanently working from home from, or from any other city uh, if you want to relocate and work from home. So it's, uh, it's a big move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, and I think it'll have a big impact on the community. So I have one, and I'm actually going to um, – it's actually a feature-related um, favorite thing, Microsoft 365 things in 2020. I absolutely love um, the Yammer Communities app within Microsoft Teams um, because you know from this show that I, I'm a big Yammer proponent. I love the fact that you can add now Teams um, – as a tab and within your team, within your communities and teams, or you can add the Yammer Communities app to your team's navigation rail to make it easy for your users that are living in teams every day to be able to integrate and be part of that Yammer conversation. And also that they've lighted, lit up Yammer notifications now in teams. So when you're in teams, you can actually get your Yammer notifications right there. For me, that was a huge um, feature update. Agreed, I like it. Yeah, that's a cool one. Bringing more and more functionality from across the stack into Teams is kind of, again, that central hub for teamwork. Bringing Yammer into there is just another great use case for working within Teams. Absolutely. But talking about technical feature, I think Project Nucleus is, is, a, big, is a big introduction to the ability to work offline. So you bring your, your list offline, that's huge. I think as big as when they first introduced the OneDrive sync client, the new OneDrive sync client. Yeah. Um, it, it is big. Uh, we've all worked with lists. Uh, we go flying when we travel again on an airplane. Um, and to be able to go and access that list, that, that's huge. I think that's really, really big. Yeah, I, with that feature, I've said this a couple of times, I'm looking forward to trying that feature in um, remote areas where your internet connection isn't super reliable. Like, yeah. like, Mike, you and I are in Canada, and we know it's a vast country. Mm-hmm. There are lots of places in Canada where people don't have reliable internet, um, where it's it's sometimes low. Sometimes you have to go to a library or to a government office to have high-speed internet. So perhaps to be able to work remotely in some cases in, in those situations, I'm curious to see if Nucleus helps that that kind of situation. Exactly. Do you have another one, Antonio? I can I can jump into another one. So I'm thinking about some of the security tooling that we saw this year. Um, so some of the neat things that we saw in that is, and this is very security geeky stuff, but um, the fact that MIP sensitivity labels can be assigned to teams, sites, and groups, I mm-hmm. think, is a game changer. Right, you you see a lot of organizations still reluctant to turn on external sharing. Um, a, a lot of our clients are often our recommendations, depending on the customer scenarios, actually recommend to clients not to turn on external sharing because it lacks some of the controls that they require. 
Um, well, with this, with being able to atta um, attach a sensitivity label to a team, a site, or an M365 group, and then have certain policies enforced on it, like owners can uh, invite external guests to a team, depending on if it uh, has a particular sensitivity label, I think helps you to much more easily on a site-by-site -site basis or team-by-team -team basis, enable or disable external sharing in those cases. So I think that that will be a really important feature for um, having people store more content than 365, but still be able to collaborate with people externally. I like uh, that feature as well, but the hard part about it, I find, is explaining to users how they're going to move from applying sensitivity labels to emails or individual documents to now suddenly apply it to your whole team, and they want that label to be inherited by every document that's ever associated yeah. with that team, and it is not. It doesn't um, do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I understand why it doesn't, but for the users, that's a hard one to wrap their head around. Yeah, yeah, you get the question. Does that mean all the documents in this team are going to have that sensitivity label? It's like, well, no, that's not the idea. Um, yeah. yeah, so a little bit of factoring that into your communication and your adoption programs and your rollout program is really important. Absolutely. All right, so I have one, um, and we featured a really great episode on it with um, a guest, Mark Cashman, but the release of Microsoft Lists this year was definitely something that I really enjoyed. And yeah. the ability to have micros to have lists elevated um, to get its own app, to get its own logo, to be featured on the app launcher, and then the ability to have just the user interface improvements, conditional formatting of lists, and personal lists that you can create. So now you can create personal lists. They're stored in your OneDrive, but you can still easily share those personal lists with others. Um, I really am enjoying Microsoft lists. Yeah, and I think something you said is really important, like combining it with the column formatting and row formatting that we've had for a while, but, you know, it, people don't, I don't know if people see that those lists exist and those list features exist. So being able to surface them more easily um, through the app is is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and adding, adding templates to it, so I don't have to create lists from scratch. Yeah. So we had some templates before with SharePoint, but with Microsoft Lists, there's a lot of templates that we can use and really nicely formatted templates. So you can pick, uh, you don't have to start up from scratch and you can modify it after. Yeah. So that's, that's what it. I do all the time, like 60, 70% of the time of the custom list. Let's start from a template and add or remove any any columns that don't need. And even though with, with, the, with the modern world, adding now new columns, it comes kind of, if you add a choice field, it will it will come formatted already that the column is already formatted with some colors so it's like basically adding those features without the need to go and format it yourself so it's a, it's a pretty cool uh a big big announcement can you create your own templates with that or just out of box ones i don't i don't think you can create your own templates not sure we could be wrong about that you can create an existing one that's yeah we all know this mm -hmm. An existing one. It can use it as a template. I guess. If only we could phone a friend and pull on Mark Cashman whenever <laughs> we needed him. We'll ping him. Yeah. Um, All right. One thing I was amazed though, when again, it's it's a combination of today's reality and and, and technology here. Um, how quickly the engineering team, the team's engineering team, adapted 
the high demand of teams. So the growth, it was exponential. Now, I think the latest number from October was we had like 115 million active users on a daily basis. So that 50% to 50, 60% jump from pre-COVID is huge. Yeah. And just to keep up with that demand and the way they've done it to make sure the lights are up, the um, it's performing well. And I think they had with Lori, one of the offices we had with her, she said they had to turn off some features to make sure that actually the service is still up and running and performing to up to the standards. That that is that is a big thing. Just on in a, in within few weeks, the engineering team was able to adapt and accommodate all the big increase from everyone around the world that wanted to use Teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had that podcast with Lori Potmeyer recently, and I can only imagine the the just the frenzied schedule that the Microsoft Teams engineering team has had since March. Um, as, having run engineering teams before, having a global crisis suddenly dictate your engineering schedule and the mm-hmm. priority of things where, you know, they, they she even told us they had, you know, a multi-year plan of features and so on that they were going to roll out. And that suddenly, you know, everything had to be reprioritized and uh, they likely have round-the-clock development happening. And I can only imagine how busy those folks have been. And to literally know that now you have even more weight because normally when you're engineering something like Microsoft Teams, you have to be cognizant that there are many companies and governments, um, economies um, that are dependent upon your tool. But in this case, even more so people's lives Mm. are dependent on Microsoft Teams. Their children's education is dependent on Microsoft Teams and the level of pressure and being able to keep level headed in that and make sure that you're able to scale up enough to be able to meet the consumption demand suddenly during a pandemic was just amazing to see. And they are like us, like at the end of the day, they are working remotely as well. And they have to keep up with the demand. They have to keep the the new features rollout they had planned to do. It's it's a big, it was a big, big job. Yeah. I think they didn't sleep for the first eight months, I'm yeah. not sure. Good yeah. those to them. Yeah. Um, I've got another security related one. Uh, so seeing Microsoft extend some of the security tool in the cloud to the desktops was um, a little surprising, some of it, but um, happily so. So things like um, uh, Endpoint DLP, so Microsoft 365 Endpoint DLP rolled out this year, which is uh, pretty cool and pretty neat feature. So having that those uh, data loss prevention features come to the desktop. And then over the last year, I've seen... Uh, much more rollouts of Defender ATP, or what's now called Defender for Endpoint, uh, as well to organizations. So not just for antivirus, like traditionally, but also for um, uh, endpoint detection and response, EDR capabilities as well. So seeing it supplant some of its competitors and get rolled out to big organizations, like desktop, you know, to their desktops um, organization-wide, I've seen a lot of that happening. So. Yeah, I, I think I was surprised how quickly it was rolled out as well. I thought I, we, we knew that was coming up, but I, I did not think it's going to be that fast, like yeah. rolled out into the desktop that quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of my favorite things that I've been using lately is when I'm on a Teams meeting like this one, um, the ability to transfer that meeting from my computer to my mobile device and to my mobile Teams app. 
So uh, being able to move it to my mobile Teams app or being able to say, call me, and it seamlessly transitions my audio from being through my computer to being via a phone call while I'm in the middle of a meeting uh, enables me to do things like uh, run downstairs and get lunch uh, in the middle of a meeting or even better, run out, get in the car, drive to the coffee shop, drive through, get coffee and come back home in the middle of a meeting because um, I'm all about that. So um, it, it's frankly a feature that has saved me countless times when I've been in important work meetings. Yeah, so, I love that feature. So when you do that, when you do switch to your phone, drive to a coffee shop, go through the drive for get coffee, come back, do people notice that you've switched devices? <laughs> Only if I have to come off of mute, but I will say it is not unnecessarily a, a an unusual pattern of behavior for a person like me to say the one time a day that I leave the house might be to go do that. I'm just saying um, the, the wine store delivers to my house. Um, we discovered yes. that during quarantine. Yes, we did. Um, but um, the coffee shop, um, I guess I could get like one of those mobile deliveries, but no, I actually enjoy driving there myself. So yeah, it, it could be that there's a well-worn path, Antonio. <laughs> but if you want to drive from Canada to Minnesota um, during this COVID thing, it might be a nice like day trip. Might be a, take a whole twenty-four hour day. But yeah. you could come and bring me coffee. That would be fine. You want okay. you have to be Canadian one. <laughs> it might be yeah. a little cold. Yeah. yeah, we'll bring you Tim Hortons. <laughs> there you go. Um. Home sites app actually in Teams is one of the big thing I really enjoyed having. Uh, plus the app bar for the home sites. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. we do. We all of us do a lot of Teams deployment, and I do a lot of intranet deployment, and just trying to architect that and and and, and produce this kind of commonplace for all the users to go collaborate at the same time and have access to their intranet without jumping different places. Just having one, one tool, one app that you can go into your intranet if you want to, and you don't have to use your teams for collaboration or chatting with others, is, is pretty big. And the app part actually is pretty cool. Uh, some I've heard some, some comments from some users that really don't like it because it adds another menu. So we have the, the app launcher, we have the global nav, we have but that I think it's 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 really it's really handy. It gives you a little quick quick links to jump to different places without actually having a lot of real estate. So I, I personally love that. And I think in order to use that home sites and Microsoft Teams and even to be able to light up and use on the SharePoint app bar that home button to really be your home site for your organization. I love the fact and we had DC Padour from the Microsoft team come and join us for an episode to talk about it. I love the fact that this is going to really encourage and push people to actually designate a home site in their Microsoft 365 tenant, because then and only then can they configure that um, the home site in Microsoft Teams and connect it as the home for that SharePoint app bar. Yeah, the app bar surprised me. Well, like, like we're we're fairly connected to Microsoft, and you know, not always, but often hear about stuff before it comes out. But that one, I had no idea that that was coming out. That was a nice surprise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I have one, Antonio. That's actually kind of about you. So you know this, but one of my favorite things in 2020 has actually been learning about MIP, Microsoft Information Protection. 
um, in a lot more detail um, yeah. and <laughs> being able to get to the point of having a broader understanding of it, what it takes to implement it, the importance of user adoption. And then you and I had the opportunity just last week to present it at the right. M365 virtual collab conference um, that we presented um, uh, a session about MIP and how important it is to your security and your user adoption strategy. Um, so for me, that's been an exciting new thing to learn and master in 2020. That, that was a lot of fun to do. You're, you're an MIP expert now. So um, we, uh, we had a great time building that presentation and delivering that presentation, taking some of these concepts around um, how you successfully roll out MIP and turn it into uh, an adoption topic, right? Something that factors into adoption, which is something that you speak, um, you know, quite a lot on and quite well on. Uh, bringing MIP and some of the security stuff in there is—it's uh, great to see that as part of adoption stories. So that was a lot of fun. What else do we have? Um, seeing part of Project Cortex go GA, so SharePoint syntax. Yeah, I was the waiting for was you surprising. to say that. But like, yeah, that's your stuff. <laughs> What's that? What's that, Mike? I, I was waiting for you to say, to say that. It was like this is Antonio's. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Not only. Uh, but yes, that was, I think the name was really surprising. Okay. Um, seeing it GA, it was great to see it go GA, become available. I was surprised that the other portion that they've talked about, so topics and topic cards, is not yet GA, but it's coming. It should be coming soon. Um, it's interesting. I find different people are excited about different aspects of, of Project Cortex. Some are really excited about the document understanding and form processing, and other people really want the topics and topic cards, like even customers that we talk to about it. Because like the Microsoft site on Project Cortex talks about those both of those key use cases. But some are really attracted to one and others are really attracted to the other. So I was mm -hmm. fun to see who's on which side of that. Um, but yes, um, have either of you tried uh, Syntex yet? I am anxious to. I think one of the things that has surprised me about Syntex is, well, first, the fact that it was released and then really excited as, it, as I get to know it more. But then from a licensing perspective, how Microsoft decided to approach it, that it is an add-on to yeah. E3 and E5. So being on E5 doesn't necessarily get it for you. You've still got to add it on. And it's a per user per month charge yeah. deployed at your enterprise tenant level um, for SharePoint Syntax, which is, I think, something... I want to almost say that's a relatively different model than what we see for some of the other capabilities. So that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I like it that way because um, it does not limit the E3. There's a lot of customers on E3. So we were wondering before, is it going to be E5 and it's going to increase the cost mm -hmm. a lot for organizations? So I think having it as an add-on is really, really a better approach than just including it in E5. Yeah, because a lot of the new stuff gets added to the E5 license as kind of a, a thing to drive people to upgrade to the E5. But this feels like something slightly different, which would be applicable to E3 customers too. Yeah, yeah so, so I started I'm just doing a POC with, with, with it right now, and um, I was surprised that it's really easy to follow and, and to actually deploy it. Not complicated at all. Uh, just uh, follow the documentation. Actually, you don't even have, if you if you understand the actual concept of it, I think you can figure it out without really following documentation. It's it's uh, uh, the wizard 
well, it's not a wizard. It looks like a wizard where you go and set it up. It's uh, it's not bad. It's not complicated at all. Yeah. yeah. Love to see that. Okay, I have to say the new Yammer um, is exciting to me. So they officially launched that globally, I think, in July of 2020. So I, um, I like the new Yammer, the look and feel. Um, they came out with so many incredible announcements at Ignite 2020 around the Yammer its integration with live events so that people who produce live events can moderate Yammer comments and see them side by side the live event. Um, the integration I already mentioned with Yammer and Teams, but also the ability when you publish a SharePoint online news article that you're going to be able to cross post directly from SharePoint into Yammer with a link to that news article and put in a survey or a question or start basically a Yammer conversation about that SharePoint news article and even the ability to do things like delegate posting. So if your um, communications department, for example, posts on behalf of um, you, one of your senior leaders in your organizations that you can delegate your Yammer post to someone so that they can manage that for you, even though you offer the content. Um, so I think all of those things about Yammer have me really excited. Very cool. Um, I thought of a couple more actually technology wise. So. Um, I was very happy this year to see the Microsoft Search Graph API connectors go GA. So you can now take Microsoft Search and extend it to your on-prem resources or to other cloud resources. Because um, I remember at the beginning of the year, there's still a lot of uh, question about when that was going to come out. Some of us in the community had heard that that was coming out. There were some previews available, but we had no idea when they were actually going to be available. So. Um, we've heard uh, we've got one customer that's using those heavily. Uh, we've heard a lot of customer, other customers really being excited about those. So that was pretty cool. So you don't necessarily have to migrate everything into SharePoint Online uh, or M365. You can leave some stuff where it is, but still search for it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a cool one. Um, another one in the compliance space is going to be another geeky compliance thing. Um, we did get some love in the compliance side where things like um, the retention of audit logs related to right. records management. Uh, you now have advanced auditing that lets you actually retain some of those audit logs mm -hmm. depending on the type for up to 10 years, which is great. Uh, right in the service, so that's not necessarily within integration to Sentinel or anything like that. So that's a pretty cool uh, feature that we've gotten. I like that. Very cool. Yeah. I feel the need to jump in here before he starts talking about more compliance things. <laughs> compliance is cool. Compliance is cool. I can say that now with authority because I now yes. talk to you about so many compliance things yes, all the time. You can. Um, all right, I have one that isn't Microsoft 365 related, but it is Microsoft related. So as I think back on this year, one of the big things, and for our podcast listeners, a personal note, um, as Mike and Antonio well know, um, my oldest went to college this year and actually went away to college. And so for us at our house, one of the biggest new things was that she and I both got brand new Surface laptops this year in the summer. And that was a lot of fun. Um, so we have the brand new Surface laptops and two different colors, um, but love the device. Um, I've had Surfaces for years. Sorry about that. I've had Surfaces for years. I started with um, just a regular Surface and then a Surface Pro 5, I think, uh, and then the Surface laptop um, and absolutely love it. 
Nice. What color did you get? I have the blue, um, which is like a cobalt blue color. And she got the, I think it's called sandstone, but it's it's like a rose gold. Okay. So I always ask, by the way, hey, are do other people, do other college kids, kids, college students um, have surfaces? And she's like, most of them don't. They're fascinated. And they like my device because it can run all of the chemistry labs on it without any issues. So I'm like commercial for surface in college. Very right good stuff. Very cool. She's the cool kid. That's right. Well, she was anyway, but yes. <laughs> um, I think it's it's not it's not well, it can be technology related, but one of the few one of the highlights, the big highlights of 2020 for us is is related to these podcasts is adding Sarah as a new member to yes. the MC65 voice. So that was a really good highlight for 2020. Yes, yes. We're very happy to have you here on the podcast. Oh, I am thrilled to be here. So you all started, so a little bit of history, and maybe that's a good place to kind of wrap up this discussion about 2020, because you launched the podcast, was it in very, was it in January of 2020? It was at Ignite 2019, actually. That's right. Okay. In November of 2019, yes. so it was right before the new year. Correct. Okay, and then you had a few episodes. Um, you had like six or eight or ten. Yeah, ten. I, I think we had ten, ten. episodes. Yeah. And then um, I was thrilled to be able to join in. And Mike, how many episodes do we have? What number is this going to make in terms of episodes? Because it feels like we've recorded an awful lot of episodes. Our goal was on average one a week. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are with this one. This will be the 41st episode. So 41 in total. Wow. So 31 with you, Sarah, since you joined. 30. <laughs> We've been seeing this view for a long time, the three of us. At least Antonio, though, switches rooms in his house. So yeah. you always get Mabel the cow in my view, but um, we appreciate that. I'm, uh, I'm actually... I'm hoping in 2021 that we keep going with these podcast episodes. Hopefully we get to the point where we can record some like in person in the same place. That yes, is great. Yes. Yes. That would be good. Uh, I think we need to replenish our questions though in our jar. We really do. So we have a few questions left. So for all of you listeners out there, um, m365voice.com, you can go out there and click on our form to submit questions, but Thank you so much, both of you, for having me and uh, bringing me into the podcast. This has been such um, a great amount of fun in 2020 and something that we've all really enjoyed getting together and recording these episodes. We enjoy so having thanks. you. Thanks Absolutely. for being you. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. And this will be posted in really the final weeks of the year. So um, thank you for joining us for all of our episodes in 2020. And we hope to see you in 2021. Happy, Happy holidays, holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Be safe and see you next year. That's right. Bye.